Collectively, their film, Tending the Garden, is a journey through a year in the life of three family farms cultivating cannabis, food, and community in the pursuit of a regenerative future. Welcome to the show. <coughs> What's up, Jesse? What's up, Claire? Hello. Hey. Welcome. How are you? Thank you. Good. Always. Can you tell our audience, where are you joining us this evening? Uh, Trinidad, California, right yes. on the coast. Yes. Far further in California. Yeah, that's a wonderful spot, wonderful spot. And how are your, how is the garden, tending the garden? How is the garden? <laughs> the, the film, or the back, I mean, the garden's so gorgeous in the morning this time of year. Everything that's what I'm asking, yeah. Yeah, your, your actual plants. So, so happy. The soil's alive. We're in a place that's pretty wet, and um, it's where the forest comes into the ocean, and um yeah, this time of year is, is just vigorous, vigorous growth. Peas are reaching. Cannabis is happy. Um, just everything is blooming. The birds are singing. And we actually got a lot of rain in May, so things are still really green and lush. Wow. Give thanks for the rain. How 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 blessed. That's awesome. So sweet. Well, it's so... It's so special to connect with you both. Uh, we, we've been trying to manifest this, this conversation for s some time and, and this, this exciting film is, uh, it's, it's cathartic. It's very, very important. It's very timely. We've had a lot of the, the farms on the show. And, uh, how did you two connect? How did you two become one? Well, uh, Jesse started the Regenerative Cannabis Farm Award in 2016, and um, just through some mutual friends. I was also not really involved in making films about cannabis, but I grew up in Humboldt and um, was making films about other things. But, you know, around the time of legalization, was starting to, I was starting to become more interested in, like, you know, there was this opportunity that finally people were coming out of the shadows and being able to tell their stories. Um, so, yes, yeah, just some mutual friends connected with Jesse and Dan Marr, who is um, of high tide permaculture. They were traveling around to all these farms that had applied for the award. And, uh, yeah, they, they said, meet me in Covalo. <laughs> and nice. the first farm I went to was Radical Herbs. And that was the first time that we really uh, met each other and got to spend time on this amazing biodynamic farm. And, uh, yeah, it's, that was that was the beginning, making short films for these uh, people who had applied for the awards, the farmers, and then the winners of the award. Um, you know, when they get up on stage to accept the award at the Emerald Cup, they got to play the videos that we made. And uh, so we picked, for the film, we picked three of the farms that were really, like, shining examples of community, growing amazing cannabis, of course, but growing vegetables. And, um, yeah, there's all these kind of, pillars of the award that we thought, you know, it'd be great to make a longer film, pick three of the farms, follow them throughout the year, and then, um, yeah, just, just tell that story to a broader audience. And the, the award Claire talking about is the Regenerative Canvas Farm Award that we do at the Emerald Cup. Um, started about years back where we wanted to um, just showcase the farms that are doing it right for the environment and for the community, uh, just showing the practices behind the cannabis. 
and and honor the farms for the practices that are thoughtful about the environment and are connected to community and are based in mutualism and watershed consciousness and soil building and sun grown and, and just um, really show how beautiful that, that work is and connect people to that. And the best way to, to do that sometimes is through media and yeah, meeting Claire at Radical Herbs is just immediately like this, this is this is working, and then when we got to see those videos up on stage at the Emerald Cup with thousands of people watching, all excited for all of the different cannabis awards that were coming out. But then we get to connect people to an amazing biodynamic farm and some of the biggest, most beautiful plants you could imagine that are just grown from the soil and through good practices, and don't not from bottles and not from all this resource um, excessive type of cultivation practices. Was was the film a happy accident, or did you go to Covalo with the intention of of, of creating a, a a feature film? No, that, I mean the the first one was just to make a short to so people could see what this award was about, so people could nice. connect to that farm. But um, as it after doing all these, it just seemed like it made a lot of sense to, to follow some of these farms with incredible practices and, and show what it's like throughout the year. And um, there's just so many things that are happening with cannabis right now, both in the difficulties with regulation and with um, all kinds of resource excessive types of um, cultivation happening everywhere. But it, it, it seemed important to really put a light on the, the farms that are, thinking about the environment, thinking about the community, and growing with, with permaculture practices, with polyculture, with building soil, with sequestering carbon, because um, that could be the future, you know? And, yes. and, and we're at that crossroads right now where um, cannabis could go down the same direction as the rest of agriculture. So, like, we want to seize on that moment and honor the people that are doing it right. And so the three farms that are in the film are um, Radical Herbs, like you mentioned, they're in Covalo and Mendocino, uh, Brightland Forest Farm, they're in southern Humboldt County, and Green Source Gardens, and they're in southern Oregon. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I saw Jesse talking with Daniel from Bryceland at um, the Emerald Cup in 2017, just kind of stumbled into the building to check out what it, you know, what was going on and um yeah, I was just intrigued that it seemed like there was a, a sort of a different focus happening, you know, within this kind of talking about the practices behind the flower, not just the THC percentage and not just the height strains and, um, you know, using the platform of the Emerald Cup and then putting the videos on the Internet. And, you know, you can um, we kind of built the educational art project out over the past few years. Um, and you can see, you know, you can learn more about that at regenerativecannabisfarming.org. So as that was all building, um, yeah, we kind of strategized about which, you know, it would have been great to include everyone who, you know, there's so many positive examples of farms doing amazing work, but we narrowed it down to three that we thought, um, you know, they're, they're already using their platform. If you follow them on Instagram, like, there's just so many amazing Pictures, beautiful pictures, especially green source. They have this pink weed, pinkleberry. Yes, that, um, yes. Just really grabs your attention. And then once you, you know, once you, you're scrolling and then you go, whoa, what is that? 
And then maybe you take the time to read the caption and they're putting so much thoughtful education and inspiration out there through Instagram. Um, I think, you know, they've really inspired a lot of people to go in a more regenerative direction. Yeah, the Pinkleberry is such a great regenerative Trojan horse. Like, you see, like, <laughs> these insanely gorgeous flowers and these pink yeah. uh, stigmas. And, and it's just, like, in the background of all this polyculture and the forest. And, I, and people immediately respond to it. They get tremendous likes and, and uh, you know, definitely built a, a, a following really quickly. And then, but behind it is all these amazing practices and ways of connecting to the source of how something is done and the, the soil, the practices. Um, they they built all of their uh, cultivation zone on a very um, degraded area, a place that had you know been overgrazed near mining areas. It was a hard serpentine um, slope that they built hugel cultures on and did hundreds of years of soil building work. You know, in a over winter almost just to get started and every year since then it's thrived more and more and you've had some pretty amazing shows with um nick on from green source on there too and i'd recommend people go back to the the archives and listen to those shows because he really lays out um all the information in some of those shows yeah it's a spiritual uh homily almost every time i hear nick and uh and likewise with you, likewise with you, it's, it's it's just such an honor. It's so nice to connect with you both. Um, and I would love to hear Claire too a little bit about your your. I, I love the the approach with media, and I think uh, the the film approach is is really timely. It's really important. I think it is very captivating, and a lot of people are are hungry. They're hungry to learn. They're hungry to get more involved and to educate themselves. In your, in your, in your background, what other topics have you covered in in film? Um, well, actually, I went to UC Santa Cruz for grad school. Woo! That's so cool. Full circle. Your taco truck. That's yeah. so sweet. Banana slice. Yeah. So that was. Yep. Um, that was almost ten years ago, and cool. uh, yeah, I was just really interested in food and farms and the food system and um, actually driving down Highway 1 towards Watsonville, I saw there these taco trucks kind of cruising through the fields, and I wasn't, I was aware of taco trucks as far as, you know, they're in urban areas, they're in Oakland, they're, you know, parked on the street, but I hadn't really connected the dots of, oh, well, the farm workers in the strawberry fields, they also need to eat lunch, and so there's this whole kind of system within the food system of people providing, and, you know, mostly immigrants, providing food for other farm workers. So I um, tagged along with a Salvadoran family who had a farm tr- uh, food truck business. And so that's a 20-minute short film called Lanche. And, uh, yeah, that was a really cool opportunity to be able to, like, travel to Mexico, show it at a film festival in Mexico. And, um, yeah, that was, that was, I got a taste of, you know, how to, yeah, tell a story and got to, you know, see that it resonated with a broader audience. Um, since then, I've mostly been working on other people's films, doing, yeah, editing. Uh, I worked on a film called Freeland, which was filmed in Humboldt in 2018. And then, um, yeah, it was supposed to come out March of 2020 at South by Southwest. 
Um, and then COVID timing ended up kind of, yeah, throwing a wrench in that. But, um, yeah, it is available to stream online now. And uh, that was really cool to be part of a fiction film that I didn't have much experience there. I pretty much had only worked on documentaries, but the directors, they also um, had a background in documentary films. They had come up to Humboldt a long time ago and were really intrigued by the culture and the community and, um, you know, met some really interesting characters. And then so they decided to write a script based on based on that. And the, so it's the story of a older woman. You know, she's a back-to-the-land homesteader, and she's running a farm. And then legalization happens and kind of throws her whole world, you know, she has to adapt to the changes. And so it's... Um, a pretty realistic portrait, I would say, of, you know, a, a woman going through this total change of lifestyle, and um, it's it's not exactly an uplifting film, but I think it um, really does it's real. uh, capture the vibe of, you know, what's going on here, and there's a, there's a transition from one way of life is, is happening, um, so, yeah, that was a really cool thing to be a part of. And then our film, I think, is a hopefully a more hopeful depiction of the future, what it could look like if these farms who are, you know, they're not just growing industrial monoculture greenhouses, you know, blowing their whole scene up. These farms are really doing it in a more intentional way. And so, um, yeah, it's after things like Murder Mountain had a really big cultural impact, we thought, you know, that's not the whole story, and it's easier to sensationalize and talk about the dark side, and um, you know, it's, it's maybe less exciting to talk about regenerative farming. But I think we managed to do it in a way that hopefully that is compelling and visually interesting, and spending enough time on the farms that um, you know, it's hard to if you just go to the farm for one visit at one time of the year, you're only going to see so much. But we were there throughout the whole season in the spring. They're starting seeds, came back in the summer, you know, showing that process. And, and different issues come up at different times of year, drought. Um, you know, wildfire was thankfully not a big issue last year, but it's kind of a, a continuous yeah, threat to everyone. Yeah, ongoing, yes, yes. Yeah, and so, but we, you know, tried to, highlight ways that, you know, Bison Forest Farm, Daniel is really passionate about um, intentional burning and doing it at the right time of year and, you know, thinking of fire as a tool, not just something that, you know, there's ways to integrate it and to um, go back to these ancient practices of using fire. So that's, that's a small part of the film, too, is all these things that farmers are doing beyond the farm to care for their environment. Give thanks for that. What a wonderful, uh, for posterity too, to document this moment in time and, and for the future. In many ways, uh, the BioVortex project, the ongoing art contribution to the community. Jesse, you've had, uh, so many contributions. What does it feel like to be in the, in the film space, IMBD? <laughs> oh, man, it's so fun. Um, I, I've always loved photography and being able to um, work as a cinematographer with Claire is, is pretty amazing. Um, to be able to capture these moments from the right angles, to see the kids growing up at this time, 
Uh, yeah, the capture capture that year is it, it, it's such a special, amazing thing to be on these farms and seeing that level of life happening. Like the the kids learning from the farm, the animals in an integrated relationship with the plants and the soil and the farms, the the surrounding area being cared for. Um, yeah, just the, the whole year process is is quite gorgeous and special and. Um, we also get to eat amazing food as we <laughs> film. So yeah. That's, that's a nice, nice one. Like, I, I joke that it's the um, the best catered movie of all time for the least amount of money. <laughs> 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 free food, but the best possible because it's all connected Nature to Nature provides. Yes. And there's, I think there's something, and everyone is, like, now just absolutely dear friends. Like, they, were, they already were, but um, being able to be with them through the year is really special. I love everyone. That we got to, get in. and yeah, I, I love everyone that's in the film very much, and, and it was an honor to be able to document the amazing work that they're doing. I would love to hear a little bit about the process of of documenting a year. Uh, in in some of these farms, the families are growing, and the children. I heard a little bit about children from Jesse just now, but that's a it's a big part of this too. Is to uh, kind of live what you what you preach uh nicholas and elizabeth the the beautiful artwork and they really do uh hold themselves accountable and humble themselves to this process of regenerative lifestyle this 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 approach to diversifying and stewarding the earth and 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 building back better in a way that is most aligned with nature and when I had Bryceland Forest Farm on the show recently too, they were speaking to the the importance of 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 especially in these tough times in the cannabis industry in this this really challenging market to to have the vegetables to have these polyculture gardens and to get back to the roots of just really wholesome and intentional agriculture. I would love to hear your thoughts and your observations of being. What what a cool experience to be on on the scene with these really special special families. Well, like cannabis is at the center of a lot of like what we're filming, but it's like they become kind of like these background plants as we're watching Priceland feed an entire community. They they yeah. are going to farmers market. They even organize their own Priceland farmers market too, and to, and have CSAs and to see this food being grown from amazing soil and the soil actually the process of making it more nutritious and fertile and growing better vegetables they're also and cannabis they're also sequestering carbon at a um, amazing rate that i think the whole world needs to pay attention to if we change agricultural practices towards these methods that actually build organic matter and and carbon in the soil we can potentially reverse climate change and so to see it on this little half acre um daniel and taylor through their no-till methods through their cover cropping through composting through returning everything back uh they they started with six percent organic matter which is actually pretty nice you know because they're in the forest there's actually real organic matter and humus that had been built up in that area but they took it from six percent to twenty-four percent organic matter wow. in in just a few years of, of, of these practices, and at the same time they're uh, feeding a community and growing amazing cannabis. And 
if you if you take that half acre, I think it was 120 tons of carbon are sequestered through those processes, and that equates to about uh, driving a car for about 30 years or so. Whoa, and amazing. So, you know, we, we take that to the, it, the the amount of land that's used for agriculture is huge if, if you add it all up. And uh, just little tiny dents all over the place of people doing this kind of work and also building the resiliency of having small localized food production the more that we support those kinds of networks is, is maybe our, our best chance of survival on this planet. And I, I would say that spending time at Radical Herbs, especially learning more about biodynamics, um, they're so tuned into the cycles and the seasons and the certain practices you do on the equinox. And um, for me, that was definitely a learning experience. I had no idea what biodynamics was and it you know, there's really not a good way, I think, to fully wrap your mind around it unless you see it and experience it. And um, and that's where we started the film, too, is, yeah. like, the unearthing of the 500 crap. <laughs> like, we went down on the um, was it, is it Equinox, yeah, and we uh, we witnessed the 500 crap, which is a cow manure put in a, a cow horn that's buried over the winter. Um, and what happens is it kind of ferments in the soil, and it builds humus-building microbes. And there's a science side of it, like the actual things that are happening, because there are the microbes there. We understand fermentation. We understand that uh, these humus-building microbes can break things down and build more soil, that there's ways to feed and, and give them oxygen and all that. But there's also this very spiritual side behind the practices, too, and the timing. And uh, I, I think it was just kind of a perfect way to, to start the, the film, to, to see that spiritual connection between soil and also this, concept of mutualism and giving back and gratitude for the earth and giving gifts back to the earth and thinking about how you can help and heal the earth through these interesting spiritual type practices that actually have a grounding uh, quality to them because they are building soil. They are creating more fertility for that, that garden, for that uh, cultivation area. Yes, I was just speaking with my wife this morning about biodynamics and, and Rudolf Steiner and speaking about the future and education and Waldorf and other 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 opportunities and it is it is important to have that reverence. It is very special to uh continue that that practice. And if people want to go on a really deep dive down biodynamics at Radical Herbs, the uh Shaping Fire podcast, they they did um, about a month back or more, but they go so deep into all the different practices. I think it's like two hours long. So people want to yeah. really learn about biodiversity. a good one. No, it's important to uh, that. That's a special, special group, right? A special family because they are, yeah, rooted in the the biodynamics, and that is a it, it's it's exciting. It's exciting to see that. In practice, you know, the praxis in motion in the industry, but also like in the community, which is so important. And one thing that's coming up too is you're, you're going back to Mexico, Mexico, correct? For the film, right? The film is being featured in Mexico? Yeah, so, um, <clears throat> we made a short version of the film while we finish the post production, the audio mix on the feature-length version, which is going to be about an hour long. Um, we made a 20-minute 
short version that we've already done a few kind of sneak preview screenings. Um, we did one in LA on 420, and uh, another yeah, we've, we've kind of teased it in a few different places, and uh, we submitted it to festivals, and we got it into the International Cannabis Film Festival in Mexico City, which is next month. And yeah, I, I, as soon as that kind of came on my radar, searching. For potential festivals to apply to, I was like, we have to, <laughs> we have to get into this one. Like, what an amazing, circle. like, yeah, yeah, group of people, and um, I'm, I'm sure that, yeah, it's going to be amazing. Well, it, it, one thing that came up and. It's on everybody's mind right now. It's pretty warm in, in Santa Cruz. The the drought in California. Can we speak to the 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 ben, the benefits of growing in a regenerative way? These hugoculture and, and building of soil and, and the the benefits of how water can be you know water retention uh, in, in in these farms and uh, kind of like uh, dispel the. The myth that cannabis is such a, uh, you know, water-consuming crop. Uh, I think the key thing here is is polyculture and diversity. Uh, I would love to hear your thoughts on that. I imagine that's part of the documentation in the film. Well, I mean, there's a lot of benefits from these practices, specifically around water. One, water retention goes up, like just exponentially with living soil. The more life you have, the more fungal um, life you have specifically to create soil aggregates that um, clump in different ways that create oxygen and allow for more water cohesion around each different aggregate and greater water retention. So like you can almost have 10 times the same, uh, the 10 times the amount of water stored in your soil if it's alive and has carbon and building with these practices versus soil that would be a little more inert. But it's also the way that you use water, how you collect it, um, when. And cannabis can actually be the like grown in a way that's good for the environment and good for water. It doesn't have to be something that's we, – we've, we've seen all these terrible examples, and, and most of the, the, the press has been pretty bad of just sucking from a river at a dry time and watering plants in pots and that are in black pots the sun's beating down them, not, not great for the, the plants. The water evaporates quickly, and um, the roots don't have something deeper to go into, and it's all soil that's been brought out to sensitive areas, and it's actually, um, you know, mined peat and perlite and stuff like that, where instead of buying something, people are building soil on-site, increasing water retention, and if you collect water through rainwater catchment at the right times, um, and you can actually utilize water in the winter more and build more water up, you can do groundwater recharge practices. And that actually helps um, the situation beyond just that cultivation site. You can help with, um, with water being there to create abundance. And like at Green Source, you can see this difference between the cultivation site and what the hillside was before. And it's there and you can see where it's dry and just on the other side, it's just abundance everywhere. And using a little bit of water, it actually stores. And the amount of mycelium they have is actually a filtration network too. So the water that's actually running through that area and returning to streams and helping river flows later 
has been completely cleaned up by all of the biology, and there's no nutrients or being used, so there's no extra nitrogen, and there's no pesticides being used. So literally the water is cleaner going through these cultivation sites and, wow. and helping the um, the flows of creeks that are, are going to the rivers. And um, So the thoughtful use of water, it's not just like, oh, cannabis drinks, drink, they drink a bunch of water. It's actually where are you growing, how are you growing, how have you built the soil, Where's that? Where's, how is that water stored, how is it being used, how can you help recharge the ground right where you are cultivating. And these are the thoughtful things that people are thinking about because it's instead of it being a linear thing, you suck up water and you use it, it's, it's a cycle, and you're always giving back. So that concept of always giving back, I think, is at the heart of regenerative systems, and these farms are, are all so brilliant at it, and every year they learn more and they share more. And so it's, it's yeah, an exponential process when everyone is open and sharing and giving back to the earth. And I think that parsnips are a good example, too, of, um, as you said, polyculture, and they were, you know, introduced by Green Source. Probably they planted one parsnip and then let it go to seed, and so now their entire hillside is full of parsnips, <laughs> um, which are a great source of food, but then they're also, you know, they're, they're pretty big, and so they're, you know, once you pull it out, you're left with this big hole, and that's, um, you know, aerating the soil, essentially. The parsnips are providing space for the water to sink deeper into the hillside, and so it's stacking functions in the best sort of way. And um, Also, if you don't pull them out, you can, and, and they're, like, top and dropped or mulched back in, those, those parsnips in the ground have created this, like, big amount of organic matter that then can actually hold water, bugs will eat, worms work on, and they become like kind of like drills of, of organic matter that, that life gets to fill into, and it becomes a place of aeration and, and higher car- carbon content. Yeah, how cool. Yeah, I remember when I visited, uh, it was potatoes. He had many potatoes mm. under the cannabis. It, it, the Hugo culture is so... So beautiful to see it in its, in its glory, and I imagine the, the film. It, 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 when you're spending time on these farms, uh, what, what, you know, what, what, what really surprised you in the, in the process? I imagine there were, there were moments and scenarios that uh, became, I imagine with any filmmaking, things kind of develop, and they organically and authentically continue to uh, evolve. I would love to hear your thoughts on like any, any surprises or, or, or developments that you found on your journey. The potatoes are a good example um, because just as Green Source is getting ready to plant their cannabis plants, what they're doing is they're pulling out some potatoes and then collecting a bunch of food that we ate that night. You know, So like as you're um, getting prepping your, your area to, to plant your cannabis, you're, you're actually harvesting food at the same time. And that's, that's in the film, too. And I think that's a really neat thing for people to see. Because those potatoes have actually been helping protect the soil, build soil life, and have been a positive process for getting that bed space ready for the cannabis. But then you pull them out, and you got, you got you know, some tasty potatoes to, to make a little hobbit pie that night. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think I was sort of, you know, I, I knew in theory that farming is hard work, but once you actually see how hard everyone is working all day long and literally jogging around the farm and, 
you know, the green Sometimes on Sometimes running. <laughs> yeah, Daniel from uh, Radical Herbs, always running from point A to point B. It's so kind of hard to keep up sometimes. And, um, yeah, green source is on a pretty steep hill. So you got to go, you know, one wheelbarrow of wood chips up, down, up, down. And so trying to... Follow Nick with the tripod. Yeah. yeah. That's a lot. Keeping up with everyone as they go about their tasks. And, you know, you can't really tell them, like, oh, can you do that again? Like, you didn't get it the first time. That's a no. <laughs> they, they don't have time to wait around for us. And um, so, yeah, that was a, you know, pleasant surprise of just, like, this is, you guys are so committed to this. It's it's every day, um, but, but you love to do it. And so that's also, like, I think I was, it's, it's no one, it's easy to, I think, feel, to, to want to express frustration at, surviving as a small farm in the regulated system but and, and we do address that in the film that you know once once the cannabis leaves their hands it's out of everyone's control basically they can't sell it direct farmers market style to the consumer like they would like to it's this really complicated system of the supply chain distribution getting into stores not a lot of information in the stores about the practices and what sets their cannabis apart from industrial corporate cannabis. So, um, you know, we do address that, but I think for the most part, it's more so about solutions and, you know, ways that we can start to, you know, acknowledge these problems and, and kind of build a better alternative. And in the span of time that, you know, just the year that we've been working on this, I feel like, um, been a lot of farmers markets recently, in cannabis farmers markets in Humboldt, in Mendocino. This this vision that everyone had when legalization happened um, is finally, I think, starting to happen, and so that's been cool to see. Yeah, it's a really stunning thing, actually. Like the amount of work that goes into just farming, like that's an unbelievable amount of work. How do you even do that? And then they're raising kids at the same time, and then they're oh, also wow. like the brand and working through the regulatory system and getting stuff to the shelf. It's like it's an impossible amount of work that um, these farms just handle in such an amazing and professional way. And it, it's, it's just so daunting and the regulatory system has been incredibly difficult for everyone. And in trying to maintain a certain integrity because the regulatory system goes towards this spiral of garbage of plastic and everything. So being thoughtful and packaging and how you get, how you market, how you uh, participate in this, this market, it's, it's, it's a lot for people who really care about this stuff um, and who don't want to be a part of that system, but it's, it's impossible because of certain regulations. But everyone's very innovative and very smart, and it's, it's really neat to see that effort being put out at the same time of them doing the impossible work of uh, growing through the seed community and raising kids and growing cannabis and caring for countless animals and you know, Daniel from, from um, Rice and Forest Farms came out with us to D.C. where we did a sneak preview out there. And um, at the time, it, we, it, they were having about nine different goats being <laughs> – they had nine goats birds at that time that Taylor was at the farm dealing with. And it's just constant, constant work, uh, you know, as he's helping us promote the film and, and, and connect people to the concepts like she's – they're nursing goats and and um, you're just helping with all that the 
the process of so many goats having babies at the same time. And then we, got to get, we got to go to the farm and, and get some pickup of uh, some of the footage of, of all these baby goats just being insanely cute and eating poison oak in the forest. And, and immediately, like a week later, they're already benefiting the the, the forest and they're, wow. they're eating, in, you know, uh, invasive plants that might um not be as good for biodiversity and they're opening up spaces and being better for the oaks and the bays that are in that area where they don't want to be as encroached on and, and all having air around each different trunk is important. But yeah, just amazing to see that process of the goats being born there immediately having a positive effect on the, the forest. And then they, they get the milk and the amazing cheese that comes out of that. And then wow. the soil fertility, you see the goat manure going back into the, the compost. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful cycle to witness. Green Source has livestock too, right? Can you speak to the the, the bioreactors, the, 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 the important? Papers. Yeah, <laughs> it's so important. It's so important. It's crucial. Yeah, so much like, you know, people think about, like, livestock just for, uh, you know, milk and food and, and t- taking from the animals in that way. But, like, their livestock's all just to build up poop. <laughs> get up on the soil, mix, mix with all the wood chips that they get delivered from the local, like, tree trimming and PG&E stuff. And they just keep taking all these diverse wood chips, mixing it with the poop. And um, there's a scene where, you know, like, a lot of farms and even ones with really good practices still rely on potting soil for all their seedlings but green source certainly does not they build their own soil constantly and and they do they do it literally in the greenhouse so it's like you see there's a scene with nick potting all of the plants and, and taking all the little seedlings and they're just so hardy in the way he just like plucks them apart and drops them in soil that <laughs> they make themselves uh like you just see this this connection this resiliency and this like kind of like yeah you're either harden up and be thriving or you're not going to make it and everything is really thriving through that process <laughs> but they, they mix all this this manure and wood chips and straws and and green waste and they just do it right on on the the greenhouse floor and so when they're ready to, to plant in the spring and, and get all the, everything potted up uh it just reaches down on the the floor and fills everything up with the most wow. amazing uh fertile soil you can imagine so i think it'll be really fun for people to see that you can Take all these things in your own hands and, and produce your resources on site. And they have a really like ragtag kind of assorted <laughs> group of animals, which I really enjoyed. There's um, some sheep, some goats. There's a donkey. Yes. There was a llama who passed, unfortunately. Oh. But um, they're all just kind of hanging out together in the barn. And <laughs> um, Liz from Green Forest, actually, she's an amazing artist, and she drew the image that we're using for the poster um it's a triangle that has uh each you know third of the triangle represents a different farm and uh you know Bryceland obviously they have the goats and so there's a big image of the goat um radical herbs they have sheep and cows and um chickens as well but you know that we chose a cow for their icon and then green source themselves they chose the donkey as their representation of their yeah (laughs) when the donkey And, um, yeah, that image has been really powerful so far in just, you know, we, we made postcards and we've been putting them out, you know, at events and, um, it really grabs people and, you know, draws people in and it's, it's, so there's the animals and also all the different food crops 
and there's cannabis in there too, but it's actually almost kind of subtle. It's not the main. Yeah, it's very thing. subtle. Yeah. It's integrated into the overall, uh, you know, illustration of what what everyone is is growing. And if you want to go to tendingthegardenfilm.com, you can see the image right on top, and then you can learn more about um, the film and watch the trailer. And we're selling T-shirts and hoodies as well with that image on it. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I see the parsnips too with the with the donkey. It's perfect. <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty. It's right on point with our conversation. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that donkey. It's really hard. It's, it's, it's amazing that she got to create this. It, it illustrates all of it so well and simply, and also detailed and complex too. One thing that you kind of touched on earlier is the climate change conversation and uh, the contribution that regenerative it's 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 a it's it's becoming an international conversation and and this is a a film for an international audience. I would love to hear your thoughts on uh, some of these changes we're all experiencing. We we spoke a little bit about drought, a little bit about wildfires uh on the west coast but i would say this film is probably really uh timely i i imagine you you mentioned uh bryceland forest farm speaking to stewarding and doing the the work in the forestry work right and the controlled burns and, and these intentional practices i would love to hear some some more about that Yeah, um, well, the title of the film is actually, yeah, comes from a line that Daniel says when he's talking about that. Um, you know, it's what Western colonialists and settlers thought of as an untouched wilderness was actually a tended garden. So we're really trying to make it clear that regenerative farming is not actually a new concept. It's a new word for ancient practices. And, you know, everyone in the film makes it a point to kind of reference the history of the people that lived here before and before people were farming and, you know, viewing their relationship with the earth as, you know, we were extracting resources and we're extracting, you know, things from the land in order to feed ourselves, but what are we giving back? And it's, you know, I think today we don't really go about our lives thinking first and foremost about what are we giving back to the earth. And, um, yeah, so that's that's kind of the overarching, you know, it's about cannabis farming, but really it's about reconnecting to these, you know, ways of making sure that life on earth continues for everyone for future generations. And, you know, like, we're not going to change the world by smoking weed and just like buying regenerative farm cannabis or anything, but the the philosophies behind supporting people doing this localized work that gives back and that, that philosophy infecting everyone else's like brain in the way of, of returning and giving back in the way that they do things actually can. The way that we um, vote with our dollars and what we, we choose to be a part of um, I think is is really important for for climate change right now and for 
um, all kinds of issues with the earth. Um, and if we have that extractive colonial mentality and continue with that, which it's actually just a short run that we've had that as, as humans and returns what we've been doing for thousands and thousands of years without messing everything up. Um, it's, it's just incredibly powerful for us to relearn and to, to connect with the, the old practices to, to promote diversity and everything that we do to promote giving back to communities, to promote practices that heal the earth and to build resilient local communities through those concepts, um, can have a, a huge effect, but it, it starts with a kind of paradigm shift in, in ideas around this extractive model of you just take and you make money and you have a waste stream instead of this circular system of constantly giving back and being a part of nature. And if you work against nature, you're not going to win, but if you work with it, then that's a powerful ally. You can see the way the energy flows and you can be a part of it and you can help systems thrive through actually understanding the way water moves through a landscape, the, the cycles of, of forest systems, the cycles of, of soil, the cycles throughout the seasons. Um, and also on the equator too, these, these, <laughs> all these ideas of, of giving back work too. It doesn't have to be cycles of the seasons. Well, I'd say a lot of, you know, documentaries you would see on Netflix these days are pointing towards an answer that, you know, there's, there's a, a thing that you can do to solve, here's the problem and we're overfishing the oceans, right? Here's the thing that you should do. Stop eating fish. And then, you know, a lot of people <laughs> are very influenced by that to make certain changes in their diet or their lifestyle. And, um, I think we're not, we don't have one specific takeaway that we're hoping people have, but just being more thoughtful about where your things come from that you purchase. That goes for everything that goes to your weed, your food, and the systems that you support by doing so. and um, Support the things you actually support, you know? Yeah, and maybe, yeah. you know, by switching to plant-based meat might seem like a better idea, you know, but... But how is that plant who, grown? Yeah, you know? who are you... Is this GMO <laughs> soy? Is it pesticides? Is it, is it is, you know, that's another warfare on the soil. And, like, think about all of the microbes and the, the birds and, and animals that actually are damaged through the production of... Of, of plants, you know, and it should be a good thing. I'd love a plant-based diet, um, but, like, cows and other animals can be a part of, through rotational grazing, can be a positive part of the yes. environment. So it's, it's more how we do things than what it is. And, and soy and corn have been incredibly damaging for the planet. So, like, you know, it is it's awesome to have a plant-based diet and to think about these things, but... Where are those plants coming from? How are they being grown? Is 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 a very important question to be asking for uh, the people that are are thoughtful around these things. Yeah, that's well said. So important. The yeah, the importance of of the the regenerative conversation does include in many ways cattle and animals and it's 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 the full it's the full gamut of all all of the biology that that is on the farm and i think it's really exciting what you guys have created is and these three farms specifically are very special it's very exciting what so how could our audience 
support and and how what are the next actions? Where are you guys at right now as far as this process? Because it is a it's a it's a long road to you know bring a film to fruition. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on how how could we uh, help? Yeah, um, we're currently in post production, so just almost done with editing, and we're about to start the sound mix. We're working with our friend Tasso in Los Angeles, and he's an amazing musician and just audio wizard. So, um, yeah, we're hoping to be able to compose some original music with him and some of his network of musicians down there. And uh, so we're trying to raise some money to pay them. Um, We have some other music we're hoping to get licensed. So, um, yeah, all of the money that we're trying to raise right now will go towards just, you know, making sure it sounds really good, making sure everything is polished, and then um, we'll be submitting to festivals, and it's hopefully out. Uh, later this year, and we'll be doing sneak preview screenings. And so you can, um, if you sign up for the mailing list on our website, you'll be the first to hear about those opportunities. And the website is tendingthegardenfilm.com. And you can see the perks of the hoodies and T-shirts, as we mentioned, that have the logo on it. Um, we also have a few other exciting perks that you can see if you, <laughs> yeah. Special BioVortex Seed Surprise 420. Yeah, <laughs> how cool. So be the only way to Yeah, so special. Yeah, fantastic. And, yeah, if you um, just – we also have a Facebook page, and the Instagram is uh, Regenerative Cannabis Farming. Um, so we, we lately we've been posting about the film, but you can also see other, you know, previous – uh, videos and photos on there from what we've been doing in the past. In the with the special biovortex uh, cultivars, uh, I, I see a, a picture that was shared, uh, which we will post. Uh, these massive plants you guys are standing in front of. Uh, where are these, and, and who who's cultivated these? Is that, is that the moon? Yeah. Moon made? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, those are, uh, yeah. How cool. That's the garden where she was growing the the, um, Cherry Moon and the Orange Valley uh, Sun, which um, are cultivars that I helped develop for her place. And um, she just does an amazing job. (laughs) You can find them in the country, too. And, uh, yeah, amazing flavors. Amazing flavors. Those ones are Orange Valley Sun. Yeah, yeah, the photo is, yeah, we're in front of Orange Valley Sun for sure. It's gorgeous. So special. Yeah, it's very, 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 I'll I'll share that with our audience. And after this, what's next? Is there another film in the mix or anything that you guys are marinating in for the future? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not not anything that we can share yet. I mean, just in the idea stage and, you know, trends. Potential deep genetic dive back to the source, but it's like, yeah. like there you go, back. fantastic. Uh, we'll, see what, we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, maybe an international film, possibly. Who knows? Yeah, we have been going back, considering back that. to the source. Mm-hmm. Oh, I but, love you know, it! I love it! Yeah, I really. going to be, um, you know, the, switching from production, switching from making the film into showing the film and promoting the film and doing podcasts like this, um, you know, that's that's probably going to be our main thing for the next six months to a year, just getting it out there in the world. Yeah. We'll take up some traveling time, but... 
Back to the yeah. roots, eventually. Eventually, yeah. <laughs> you got to tend to the garden to get back to the roots, right? <laughs> well, I commend you on your, your lovely work and uh, your ongoing uh, stewardship of the community. And, and uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan, huge supporter. Uh, it, it's full solidarity with what you're doing. I'm so proud of you both. And uh, we'll continue to do whatever necessary to help support this cause and to support this wonderful film and uh we're very honored to have you on the show and we'll continue to uh keep in touch if you need anything if you ever come to santa cruz let me know it would be an honor to have a a screening here at the rio theater or somewhere in, in santa cruz we'll we'll figure it out uh and if it does manifest, we'll we'll probably have you back in the studio. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, it would be really fun to do a sneak preview there, and I, I just appreciate you so much. Um, it was what year was it when I first came into the studio and did that show? Um, uh, 2015, I think, or 2016. <laughs> yeah, it's a long time ago. And I just I just really appreciate and honor and love the work that you've been doing since then and the before and all the people that you've had on and your continued support of of these um really important things and, and these amazing farms and these practices and, and getting that information out there and, and sharing. Um you've been an incredible part of this community. Give thanks. Oh wow, that made my day. Made my made my year. Can't wait. Well uh it's been it's been great. So thank you both, and have a wonderful weekend. And thank you, Santa Cruz. Stay up, go out there, tend your garden, grow something green, and be most excellent with each other to each other. I'm Smiley Green, Christopher Carr. We'll see you next week. KSCO Santa Cruz, KOMY La Selva Beach. The Swirling Broadcasting System.